0: Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees Podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Millmine and coming up in today's show we have an Corner and an interview with Sarah Chai of Socks with Sarah. I feel a need to laugh again with you if that's alright. Hello and welcome to episode thirty of the show, "How to Build an Online Community" with Sarah Chai of Socks with Sarah. Today is Sunday, the eleventh of January. How are you all? It's been quite stormy up here. Scott Storm has been in full force and. Everything is fine. I, I live quite, kind of in the urban area of Northern Scotland, really, I guess. Not very urban at all, but... Uh, ...compared to the likes of um, the Louises, Cagney and Lacey... ...up in uh, Therso uh, in and Kednes um, and Shetland. It's, um, it's pretty fine, actually. It was really windy. I did wake up at one point in Kansas... Uh, with the witch under the house but promptly fell back asleep and uh, when I woke up again I was back in Elgin. It, it was a little bit sporty but I used to live on Anglesey and to be honest it got that windy on Anglesey a lot of the time so it didn't really bother me too much. There were a few errant trampolines that blew off down the street I believe and um, our recycling all got blown over. Despite me tethering it um, and it being in the lee of, of the houses, it uh, it did get blown over. I didn't realise this was the case. And we only cottoned on to this when uh, Womble, who is the greediest dog ever, he's a Sheltie, he's genetic, uh, didn't eat his food right away. So we thought he might actually be dying. Anyway, he wasn't dying, he was just feeling a little fat because he had gone out and helped himself to all the scraps in the scrap bin. Minging. absolutely minging that dog has no shame but he has a very delicate disposition as well so we we're quite concerned as to what um, explosive after effects might occur as a result of his indiscretion with the scraps bin but touch wood very hard uh, we've been fine so far. Moving on from the inner workings of my dog's digestive system thank you to everyone who has uh, been in touch since the last episode it has only been a week and i'm really enjoying being in to the podcasting on a more regular schedule even though it's only been a few weeks now but thank you to everyone who took the time to get in touch and uh, offer me solidarities and uh, bigging me up (laughs) After my slight rant about ill-fitting clothing and why we're all so tight on each other and ourselves and why we don't just make clothes that fit and work with what we've got and stop trying to be... or be pressured into doing things that just aren't aren't going to help and just not helpful, or just getting these ridiculous ideas in our head that we're two sizes bigger than we actually are. So thank you very much, everyone really who got in touch. I had um, quite an interesting chat with Jolie of the Jolly's Kitchen podcast on Twitter, who recommended um, Amy Herzog's class on Craftsy. Um, is like the custom fit sweater, that's a lady does the custom fit sweater. And I think she's quite a big fan of knitting things in pieces and then putting it together so that it fits better. And I mean, let's face it, you don't sew things in, in one piece and expect it to fit nicely. Um, the whole point of when you do a sewing pattern adjusting the different parts of it to fit Gives you more options. Nobody likes really sewing up knitwear. Um, I don't mind it, actually, but a lot of people don't like it. They prefer the kind of all-in-one approach because it's a bit less sort of effort and chigory pokery right at the end. Um, But that is a good way of getting your knitwear to fit properly, and she has some very good tutorials apparently um as part of that craftsy class i haven't actually watched it i believe i did buy it and it's another one of those that i've not had chance to to even look at to be honest and, But i'll put a link to that in the show notes because jolie has seen it and does recommend it she's um she designs her own pattern and she's a tech editor as well so i think we can take her word for it um if it's good if any anyone else has any thoughts on um the custom fit sweater, then uh, please do to send them in. It'd be interesting to get a bit of chat going on the group about how people get around this issue of fitting. There has been a bit of... Um, again, there was another Twitter explosion last night talking about hashtag makeitfit2015 and um, once it's got a hashtag it's got a life fits on it's like having um, a pig or a chicken for a pet and giving it a name and then you can't kill it it's the exact same thing so there was talk because uh, louise scully was another one who chirped up and said yeah you know you really have to work with what you've got stop apologizing for what you've got make the most of it and make things that fit and make 2015 be the year of things that fit um along with leona of of fluff and i think it's something that's really valid and something that it does take a bit of time but if you take that time to learn these skills now and to perfect your art now instead of trying to bodge it like i did because you're short of time whilst actually wasting time in the end because you've not put the groundwork in um which is something claire will, will speak about on the next podcast i think um then it's going to take you longer and you're not going to get the result you want. You'll have paid a fortune for yarn, you'll have wasted your time and it won't look nice. And that's exactly what happened to me. And it's all about preparation, really. You know, the kind of seven Ps. Um, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. I only know the swearing version, so it's quite difficult. <laughs> but it's something like that essentially alluding to the fact that you must put the groundwork in first otherwise you're going to have a poor performance so um i'm going to speak to louise about that and see how we go with it but i think uh for now if anyone does have any tips if you've not yet listened to the last podcast and then you do come do catch up and you have some kind of gems to share with us then please do because um there's a lot of really experienced knitters on Ravelry, and a lot of people who've probably made the same mistakes that we have before so it's worth kind of all getting together and cheering each other along and learning from each other's experience, which is one of the most fun parts, really, of um, of the whole Ravelry thing. I have been in a very buoyant mood, you might have noticed this week. Um, not prompted, really, by anything in particular. I've just been feeling quite buoyant and quite a lively person in general. Um, but I'm not really sure what it is because it is January and it's meant to be quite depressing. I should be sat here kind of huddled up in my knitwear crying because January is rubbish. But I've just not been not been feeling that way at all. I've been quite chirpy, got a little bit cheeky, throwing a bit of banter around. It's really good. And I'm not entirely sure why that, that is the case. But let me sprinkle a little of it your way. Have have some sprinkling it on the microphone now, like fairy dust. Um, and sending some buoyant and lively thoughts your way. Uh things that are are going pretty well, actually. My house is nice, my desk is lovely, um, that my husband sorted out for me and made all nice. My retro leather-topped ladies' writing desk. I've been doing a lot more sort of writing and um planning for blog posts and ideas and things and articles, which has been really good. And having a desk that you love really helps with that I think and I just love my little workspace it's a very inspiring place to be I've got some more ideas for how to pimp it up um, just to give it that extra kind of added edge Um, there needs to be a little bit more wool I'm not gonna lie uh, but after that it should be good and I'm really enjoying the collaborations that I have ongoing at the moment and ones that are planned for later on this year I think that's probably the main kind of thrust of of where all this giddiness is coming from really. I'm very much looking forward to Edinburgh Yarn Festival and a lot of people are quite giddy about this and working in the podcast lounge and coming up with lots of evil plans with uh, Louise Scully of Knit British who's leading the charge on the podcast lounge and she's got some great ideas and I think it's going to be quite an enjoyable part of the festival to dip in and out of different things that you enjoy or look that look interesting. And uh, we've been having a right laugh with that. It just gets a little bit out of control with her. I don't know why we just egg each other on massively, and it just degenerates from that like, dead sensible that like, work chat to parodies on YouTube within about thirty seconds. It's crazy she did share a particularly special parody with me and I will share that with you in the show notes it is a parody of Blurred Lines um and it's basically a feminist parody of Blurred Lines you might have seen it before but it was hilarious I was actually crying watching it especially at the part where because the, they have instead of all the girls dancing around and you know as as this normal kind of patriarchal thing has the girls all dance around in skimpy knitwear not knitwear skimpy clothing rather. If they did dance around in skimpy knitwear it could be quite funny, slightly ironic, but no they're just dancing around in really short shorts and um like hose basically. And the boys are obviously shudder there with all the bling on going oh ah oh, ah oh, a lot. Um like there's some kind of big pimp daddy and I'm not a fan of R and B, as you can probably tell. I think it's rubbish, Uh, not that Bloodlands is particularly R&B, but I'm not a fan of R&B in general, um, because there are no lyrics, it's just, the beats are good, I can get down with the beats, I I like rap, even though that's a lot about kind of your hoes and shooting cops and stuff, that's fine, because it actually has some kind of artistic merit, but R&B just seems to be, ah, my bitches, ah, I can go all night, ah, why don't you stay up all night and write some proper bloody lyrics? that rhyme that tell a story that have some artistic merit cuz i'm sorry R&B has no artistic merit and even if you made a brilliant video that would be worth it but all you do is get a load of girls give them some silver hot pants and just get them to shake their ass at the camera it's not worth paying for people really um there's going to be a feminist rant i can feel it building up i'm not particularly feminist i'm not like yeah come on let's burn our bras, or anything but i can feel a bit of anger Coming on for a number of reasons um, and triggers over the past few months, but anyway, the point I was making was this parody comes on and these boys are all like with no top on and the cap and They're all dancing around, <laughs> and then at one point, um, it was really funny. But then I realised that some one of the the boys came dancing across the screen, sort of hip thrusting a, a stuffed sheep. <laughs> I was just like that's brilliant. I don't think you've even envied the fact that he's kind of bumping and grinding with the stuff sheet. But but yeah, when I sent her that picture and I was like, Yeah, talk me through this part. She she just act. I think she actually read at that point, but it's hilarious, it's really funny, really well written, really witty um lyrics that they've put over the top. And I actually quite liked Blurred Lines. It was directed by a woman and it was very tongue in cheek and she meant it to be like like that, but um, a lot of R and B. I just think it's a load of tosh, It's like Jack Daniels. I wouldn't mop my drains out with it. Getting <laughs> okay, a little bit. I'm getting on my box, aren't I? We're spring in the spring in the soapbox. Um, yeah. And it it was part of this this kind of random feminist rant, like a bit of a Feminist Week. I mean, I used to work in a very male orientated environment. I was in the military for six years. I worked with a lot of men. Um never really had a problem with it but I found uh, ironically since not being in the military um a lot more snide discrimination going on particularly now that I'm a lady of a certain age and I'm expected to be well obviously I wear a wedding ring so it's obvious that I'm married but I'm expected to have children and um therefore that makes me completely incapable of working now quite apparently in a normal job um because you know my, my kids might might need picking up from nursery or something I'm not really sure why I don't know if I just go for the kind of jobs where people think women can't do them or or what or that's what I I was doing previously anyway I don't now work for myself I'm a great boss Um, but it's something that kind of it it crops up again and again really and thinking about the fat moss thing there was a kind of Underground dissenting feeling that it was an attack on women uh, who have these micro businesses um probably because a lot of of the designers in the knitting industry who were heavily affected by the vatmos de- legislation that came in uh are women who are working maybe from home and do perhaps have children um I don't think that's the case. I don't think VATMOS moss was an attack on women. I think it was an ill thought out um, idea that was dreamt up in 2007 and bearing in mind i don't think even ravelry was going in 2007 and if it was it wasn't anything like the scale it is now instagram wasn't going facebook was still for people in in universities and the rest of the population hadn't really got hold of it yet so coming up with some way to to penalize the big boys i.e amazon and ebay and itunes to make them pay vat in 2007 seemed like a plausible idea have a look at the phone that you were using in 2007 things have moved on and technology eight years is a long time and they made up an idea they said they're going to do it It took them so long to pull their fingers out their backsides to get it sorted that now we're in 2015 everyone's starting up little niche in the internet industries doing loads of good stuff working from home having a family doing loads of brilliant things offering services offering choice to people and they're just going to push it through anywhere and it's going to now affect a lot of people. They never really expected it to affect because they didn't know what was going to happen in terms of, of of the internet explosion, smartphones and everything else that's gone on that drives the kind of digital economy now. I do firmly believe that. I don't believe it was an attack on women at all. Um, but it's easy to see and it's easy for people to start thinking that when there's so much tosh out there um, that's just perpetuated like it's okay. And it's not just against women. Loose women is the worst bit of TV programming I have ever seen in my entire life. It's a program that's on in the UK. It's led by a panel of four complete clackers, women, who just take the piss out of men constantly. They offer no journalistic or any kind of content benefit to anybody. They're just all sat there with the glasses of Lambrino. They may as well be with a fag in the mouth, taking the mick out of men and completely ripping them. If that was for men, there's no way that would be on terrestrial TV but for some reason that's acceptable. and it can it, it it is it's these kind of myths that are perpetuated like the woman in clavages she was basically kind of told to cover up with a a napkin when she was breastfeeding i mean totally ridiculous don't get me started on breastfeeding but there are a couple of things that have kind of lit the touch paper for me in particular this um past couple of days the first one was some someone who sent a very dry tw- uh, tweet and i did retweet it so you probably have seen it about the fact that benedict cumberbatch is now was is, is getting married and now it's, it's come to light that they're having a child congratulations to you both and um i'm sure benedict cumberbatch does listen to this he looks like the kind of guy who likes comedy knitting and uh someone put that um I do hope that all the journalists remember to ask Benedict Cumberbatch how he intends to uh, balance having a career with fatherhood and I was just like, that is so on the money absolutely bang on the money, because that is not a question that you will get asked it just won't happen but yeah, I'm sure his missus will and that between that and the vax vax box that the, who's the, 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 the Yorkshire Kate she's called she's a vicar Um, and she gets trotted out for goggle box and stuff like that she's actually quite funny and quite witty I like her and so again someone retweeted this and it said Vax you know hoovers for busy mums and she put um is my other half not capable of any light dusting because he doesn't have a uterus (laughs) and I was just like you go sister And, uh, and it is it's just complete twaddle that's that's trotted out um how is this in any way relevant to craft well it is because there's a lot of twaddle that's trotted out in relation to knitting and in general that it's only women that knit only women of a certain age that knit if you knit you have too much time on your hands and you need to get a proper hobby etc and i just feel sometimes that the anger boiling over from all these stereotypes really um and I think it's probably partly fueled by the why do I knit clothes that are, are too big? Um, because I have a very noisy child downstairs. Clearly, um, it's partly fueled by this kind of generic kind of pressure and these these ridiculous stereotypes and ideas. And I just think it's time to break free. Really, in the words of Freddie Mercury, legend. I do want to break free from your ridiculous anti-female stereotypes in the media and um, your ridiculous anti-knitting stereotypes that are going around. There's some brilliant blokes doing some excellent, really artistic work in the knitting world. There are people pushing the boundaries of what's possible. They're building proper sound industries. They're building their businesses and doing it properly. It's not just some kind of amateur, let me knock out some acrylic baby booties and charge a couple of quid for them and, and raise money for the hospice although that is again valid um but proper industry that's and businesses that are putting food on people's tables uh, and I don't think it should be belittled or mocked personally so yeah I'm not, I'm not really sure how I got on quite onto that such an impassioned rant about that but there you have it um I've not had a good rant for a long time uh on the podcast but it seems like whenever I get a little bit shady people seem to like it and join in so um send in your thoughts have you been one of those people that has been belittled for for your your crafting or are you one of those people those ladies or even gentlemen because it does go both ways like I said loose women cancel this show it is rubbish um if you've been picked on if you've been you know held to a stereotype if you've been If you've read things and you've just thought that's just utterly ridiculous, uh, send it in. It'd be interesting to get a bit of a discussion and debate going about it, really. So I think after that, that was a big one. I don't even know if I will even (laughs) publish it. But uh, let's move on to Enablers Corner. So I've created another little segment for you. And I'm going to be calling it Enabler's Corner. It seems to be somewhat of a dirty habit of mine to enable people in all areas of their lives to do things that they would like to do, but they just need someone to suggest it gently. As I mentioned last time, I have started a project 365 over at the Golden Skein called Free Your Skeins 2015. We're on day 11 now and it's going quite well. I'm really enjoying it. I have quite a set schedule of what posts will be on what day. So on certain days of the week I do shawls, or certain day I'll do hands, certain day I'll do hats. And I'm very pleased to say that I've also had a couple of people offer to help with crochet patterns. Because crochet isn't a dirty word. And I would love to include crochet patterns but what I don't want to do is recommend things that are not going to work and not going to be successful and I don't have the knowledge myself to hand on heart stand there and say this will work nicely, this isn't going to be a good idea. Not that I'm massively um, pro knitter but I do know what what sort of bases tend to work for what sort of projects and what things you need to bear in mind. Um, I know a reasonable amount about that but I don't know a lot about crocheting particularly not the types of fabric that are produced when you use certain yarns in certain stitch patterns so I'm very pleased to say that I will have at least one crochet pick per week um, on one of the days as well and I'm running it over at, at www.thegoldenskine.wordpress.com which is just a blog the actual website as I mentioned last time it's just thegoldenskine.com and eventually the blog will be integrated into the website we're just looking at how to do that effectively now but I um I'm really enjoying it actually I found some new patterns that i didn't know about i've found some old favorites that i would forgotten about and have brought them back to the front of my mind and hopefully other people's minds as well i've very kindly been sent um suggestions for different patterns again of ones that i've not found myself that other people know about and that they've tried perhaps or they've got queued um that will work quite well so thank you very much to everyone who sent those in as well and if you have any suggestions that you want to send in, don't be shy. Just ping them over. You know what I'm like. I love, I love reading through patterns, whether they're fringe comedy ones or ones for beautiful yarn. I'm, I'm always interested to see what people are creating and how they're going about uh, working with yarn to, to produce new garments. The whole point of Free Your 2015 is just to get stuff. It's not to stop buying yarn, because we're not about giving stuff up on this podcast. <laughs> In any way, shape or form. Especially not enabling. Um, But it's just to think about ways of getting that stuff, the things you've bought because you love them and because they're pretty and because they made you happy and they were soft in your hands and you wanted them and you could see the potential and the possibilities within them just to get them out of the cupboard. Get them out of the cupboard and make them into something that you can wear and use as often as you like. And if you don't, if you're not ready to get them out yet, that's fine but just to be thinking of different ways and thinking of different options and bringing it to the front of your mind on a daily basis can be quite a creative thing so I've certainly found that to be the case so much uh, so that I was brave enough to go over to the Stash Heap challenge group. Now I was invited to the group by the lovely um, Sadie who is Heart on Ravelry and Twitter and I very, very much enjoy following her on Twitter and I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet her in real life. I know she listens to the podcast, but I've met her in real life as well at Unwind Brighton, which was just like, oh, it's nice to finally meet you because I feel like I know you quite well. And she wants to move, you know, help with the stash, down, down, downsizing the stash. And it's really kind of started as a, a group to kind of get your, your scans out of stash, Because she feels a little bit overwhelmed by her stash. And it's just become this kind of treasure trove, really, of ideas and inspiration. I've found some... I was was a bit scared to post at first. I thought, if I start telling people I'm doing it, I'm going to have to do it. And I'm not not actually... I'm not going to stop buying yarn. I'm just going to use some of the stuff I've got. So I didn't know whether that was sort of breaking the rules or something. But it's not at all. It's just about again just moving stuff through stash and getting things out making yourself aware of what you've got in there clearing out the dead wood if that's what you want to do getting your whips and getting them sorted again culling the dead wood focusing on stuff that you want to make stuff you're actually going to finish and if there's things that you don't you can't let go of yet that's absolutely fine too um I find them very, very warm and welcoming, very friendly. And um, I've dived sort of right in there and laid the gauntlet down that I will catalogue the rest of my stash by the end of today. I'm not going to have pictures for it all, but I'll put it all on there. Uh, I hope I have time. I'm going to have to do it because it needs to be done. And I didn't really think I had a stash problem until before Christmas when I actually put all of the stuff together in a box and then I could kind of quantify what I had and it doesn't upset me I'm quite happy to fill the rest of that cupboard with yarn because it makes me happy I like collecting things I've always collected things I used to collect trolls then I went on to beanie babies then I went on to you know what 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 I'm always collecting something Um, and at the moment I'm collecting yarn and that's fine but what I don't want to do is to have it and to love it and to never get the benefit of it so I'll still collect more but I'm just going to use some of the stuff I've got and they're, they're very laid back, they're not like starzy. you've got to use stuff, you're not allowed to buy anything else, nothing like that. They're just very a very enabling group of people. They've got loads of brilliant ideas for how, you know, strategies to approach stashing down or doing whatever you want with your stash this year. They're, they're, they're very knowledgeable, they've got loads of good stories. There are lots of people there who are far worse than me when it comes to whips, which makes me feel better about myself and they're all really friendly, so that's a big kind of tick from me, if you want to maybe think about moving some, you know, some stash, or getting some ideas about how to do that, that would be a really good um, group to start in, it's the Stash Heap Challenge group, and I will leave a link in the show notes, you'll see me over there, um, as well, chatting every now and again, and um, I'm hoping to share a few ideas on the podcast of Dealing with different stashy problems um, in the enabler's corner. Um, dealing with your whip issues. Dealing with with managing your whole yarn inventory, if you will. And, and patterns as well. And It doesn't just go for yarn. It also goes for sewing fabric because none of us have any of that. And uh, <laughs> fibre, no, none of us have any of that. Uh, and just kind of taking stock of it and getting control of it and feeling like you know what you're doing with it really just organizing it all so um get yourself over there if that's something you're looking at doing this year and also um, as part of of this whole kind of thing of the past sort of 10 days I've been inspired to start matching things up from my stash to a pattern that I've chosen during the week when you write a pattern every day a pick, post every day you're always looking you're always on the lookout for in the in the hot right now you're always in the lookout in people's cues. you look at your friend's activity and what they're doing and what they're queuing what they're favouriting. Um, it really keeps it at the front of your mind and you're always looking for the possibilities and then I thought it would be nice to take it one step further and when you discover this new pattern or when you discover rediscover an old pattern that you really love and think I really want to knit that I'm going to do a pattern pick per week on my personal blog, which is the blog for the podcast Shannonbees.com, about which pattern I've picked for that week and which yarn in my stash I am going to pair it up with. Now I'm not going to say I'm going to knit them because I'm not committing to fifty-two one skein projects for the whole year because that is ridiculous. I don't have that amount of time to knit. I might knit a few of them, I might knit none of them, I might knit all of them eventually and at some point I'll finish my snowhead hat when I'm 65 (laughs) and I get some time and that's that's absolutely fine Um, but I find that thinking about it in that way and, and looking at possibilities for your yarn as well as patterns has been quite cathartic creatively and it's given me a lot of inspiration and motivation to think about how exactly how I'm going to go about doing it because that is the problem a lot of people have with resolutions it's not a resolution but it's a aspiration of man for the year is that the and in goal setting in general they'll put a generic goal but they won't put down exactly what steps are going to put in place to achieve that and the more steps you put in place the higher the likelihood is that you will achieve it so I've decided to do this post, there will be one a week and I'm going to call it Free Your Skins Friday and on every Friday, um, and if it isn't on Friday then it'll be backdated to Friday so it's on the right days um, OCD. Uh, I'm going to do a post and I'm going to match it up to the stuff in my stash. Now because I'm going to catalogue all my stash today because I'm a good girl I'll know exactly what I've got as well so I can match them up. And like I say, I'm not going to go as far as putting them in bags and printing out the pattern and putting them together or anything like that. I'm just going to explore possibilities with this one and uh, see where that takes me. If it's something that you fancy doing yourself or something you fancy joining in with, or you have any tips regarding this sort of 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 kind of initiative, then please do get in touch. or will leave some um, comments in the Uh, Ravelry group because it'd be really good to hear what you think and if you have any ideas for your own stash in particular then go over to the 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 blog page leave me a link so that everyone can come I can go and look most importantly but everyone else who comes can go and look at what you're doing as well make it into a little blog hop perhaps so that was that but then we got thinking about planning knitwear for Edinburgh Yarn Festival because my Owls is going to get ripped out so I now have no signature knitwear to wear for Edinburgh Yarn Festival which is quite bad when you're a person who works in the yarn industry to not have a suitable wardrobe planned out so um, again it's been mooted a couple of times and I sort of re- invigorated it yesterday and I'm gonna do a little owls along. Owls is the Jumper by Kate Davies. And if you've been listening to the podcast you'll know that I cast this on when I was in Africa and it must have been about two years ago now. And I never got past the hem. So it's not a new whip. This is whipping down because it's not a new whip. It's coming out of hibernation. So this doesn't count as a new project for me. Anyway for everybody else yes but it's really quick. It's in chunky yarn and you know, Edinburgh probably will be quite cold in March, so it's a great quick knit, it's an iconic piece of British design knitwear. Um, everybody should have one in their, in their kind of clothing knitwear stash, in my opinion. Most people do have one, if not more. But if you want to join in, it's going to be really informal. There's going to be no real organisation around it. Just going to use the hashtag, OwlsAlong, Um i'll put a little thread in the group and there's a couple of us already doing it you can as soon as you get your yarn you can join in if you want if you don't want to you don't have to don't worry about it dead laid back um and if you want to get yourself an owl's jumper my kind of deadline for that is uh, edinburgh yarn festival i think i'm going to talk about planning knitwear for edinburgh um yarn festival or or planning your knitwear kind of wardrobe in general in a future episode i've got a few different. topics for discussion uh since the beginning of the year it's probably why i'm feeling quite excited actually that uh, i think we'll make quite good content for the podcast could be quite interesting for you to listen to so uh hours along is the hashtag and i'll put a thread in the uh, Ravelry group, so if you want to come and chat about it, probably most of it will do on Twitter and Instagram to be honest, um, but it's dead, dead cash, dead laid back, owls is the pattern by Kate Davies, available via Ravelry, support your local British designers and uh, get some of that chunky yarn out the stash, get yourself a nice cosy wool jumper mine is being knitted in Rowan British sheep breeds chunky, now apparently the notes said that it felt a little bit this, but I guess if you're wearing a 100 percent wool, non-superwash, chunky sweater, and you're gonna be warm, aren't you? So you're gonna be it's gonna get a little bit damp. It probably is gonna felt. Uh, but I've promised myself once I've done it in this yarn, then I can treat myself to some baby alpaca and do it in that. So that's what I'm gonna do. But in the meantime, I'm gonna be knitting it in the Rowan um Sheep Breeze Chunky. So if you want to join in, owls along is the hashtag, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. <laughs> So I have another entrepreneur interview for you today. I'm really enjoying speaking to different people who work within the industry, both on a formal and a more informal basis. Um, I do now work within the industry, of I co-on the golden skin, and I do freelance as well. And I'm really enjoying the opportunities that are sort of coming my way, very exciting, and enjoying working with other people That I find inspirational. They say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, so I must be a legend (laughs) because I get—I'm very lucky. I get to spend time with people that I really bounce off, that I really resonate with, and um, that share my ideals and priorities. Really, which is is great. Um, As some of you know, I do work over at Eden Cottage Yarns as well with Victoria there helping do all kinds of dirty enabling really in, in every kind of sense of the word which I really enjoy because I mean if you've heard the the interview that I did with her on the podcast uh, she is she's a very inspirational lady she's very no-nonsense she's very open and honest she's very straight down the line she's got a good sense of humor um, all of which are qualities I like to think that I have <laughs> and I just get on with her really well we sort of have just clicked massively and it was a very serendipitous thing for us to start to work together um, on a more kind of formal basis and I'm fortunate enough to work with a number of other small businesses and startups as well which is great and I really enjoy listening to the different stories that you hear from different people. Bearing in mind we're starting our SOC segment and this lady that I'm going to interview now, Sarah Chai, was the person she is the Sarah of Socks with Sarah. Um and the reason why part of the reason why I wanted to knit so many socks this year and really get my head into sock knitting and have that sock draw and learn more about sock knitting and construction and help all of you do that as well. Um I thought it would be really interesting to get her on board because she's not in the yarn business as such or the yarn industry. She's come at this from more of a community building aspect and wanting to build a community around what she's doing and putting herself out there and other people have just got on board and it's been great to see over the past year I've been very much a kind of excited bystander wishing that I had more time to get involved and really enjoying seeing everyone's projects and seeing people progress through the year, especially Chloe as we'll mention when we start chatting um, Sparkly she. How she went from no socks at all to a a wardrobe of beautiful socks in a year, and picked up loads of great tips and hints, and everyone learnt from each other. And I thought it would be really nice to go from a kind of more commercial point of view to a more uh, community-building aspect, and to see what lessons we can draw out of that. So I'm very, very grateful to Sarah for coming on the show, and I spoke to her on Friday evening. It's quite late here, so you'll have to forgive me. I was quite tired. (laughs) Um, by Friday evening because I'd been single parenting all week and I thought my husband had come home and I'd kind of just crashed completely (laughs) I was definitely in need of some uh, medicinal vino and uh, it was just to fit our schedules together because she's in the States and six hours behind it seemed like a good time to fit it in because she also homeschools I don't homeschool but she homeschools uh, like Sally does Sally Cameron so it's about fitting in with that as well so Without further ado I'll go back to the future to me and Sarah on Friday and our little chat. We do sort of veer off into various things and I completely, she's definitely a lady I would like to go and drink wine with because I think again we share a lot of ideas about education and community and helping other people and championing other people and pom-pom waving and doing all that and from a selfless point of view and doing it because we just enjoy the interactions that we get out of it and we're not looking to achieve anything in particular in terms of bigging ourselves up it's just about about building that community and and widening the network of people you know and that you can kind of draw from really because uh, I'm certainly one of those people that that gets energy from crowds and I think she is too <laughs> so we'll crack on with that interview So I'm very pleased to be joined this evening and this afternoon because uh, Sarah is in the States and a few hours behind GMT um, by Sarah of Socks with Sarah Fame, who has very kindly agreed to come on the podcast and talk to us um, in our section be interviewed. So welcome to the show Sarah.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: And we are delighted to have you here. It feels like you've been a part of my life for a whole year now. Every time I go on and see these beautiful socks on Instagram, I'm just like, oh, so Sarah did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
1: pretty interesting how social media really brings us all very close together, even though we're very far apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is very, very strange. In fact, um, we were just talking on Twitter earlier and I was speaking to um Chloe, sparkly shoe Chloe. Uh-huh. Who I know you know because she's a prolific. Socks with Sarah Knitter Yes, and yes. we realise that we've never actually met each other in real life, but we've known each other for about four years. Ah, uh-huh. uh, and it feels like she's almost like a member of the family. I'm like, yeah, we do know uh-huh. each other in real life? But obviously, these are just your friends in the phone. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I watched her whole. Um... Christmas Instagram feed, and I had to. It was like the happiest Christmas feed I've ever seen in my life. It made me like every day I had smiles like all day long. So I'm like, oh, look, she has a Christmas tree. Oh, she has this new little Christmas bit. And it was just like the most uplifting thing. So she is, <laughs> she brings a smile to my face, and I have definitely never met her. I've only known her through Socks of Sarah. So it's just been about a year. But yeah, we, I think we've all kind of impacted each other through this very uh,
0: profoundly. <laughs> absolutely so shall we kick off with some questions then and we can go off and onto a tangent and and talk about socks wherever you like Um, but can you tell us a bit about you as a person and a little bit about how you came to be interested in yarny pursuits
1: sure well I grew up in the country like a very rural setting and my parents both came from very modest backgrounds so I mean, I grew up in a house where my mom sewed and hand-tied most of our quilts. She made a lot of my clothes. She is a prolific crocheter, and um, my dad does a lot of woodworking. He does small engine repair and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of grew up in an atmosphere where I just took for granted that we made really great things from very simple beginnings, and I didn't really pick up a whole lot of that stuff in earnest until I finished with my degree in college because you know when you're in college you don't have a lot of time to do that kind of stuff but um I learned how to knit at, right out of getting right after getting out of college and then um it all kind of went from there that I just I got married and I had a family and then I started to knit more and I started to sew more and kind of just got back to my roots in that way
0: brilliant So the next question would usually be what was the tipping point that turned your hobby into a business? Now Socks with Sarah isn't a business, it's more of a community that you've built. So what was the tipping point that made you decide that you'd like to foster and build an online community around knitting?
1: Well, what's interesting is about five or six years after I learned how to knit, I was in a local yarn shop. And, um, I had kind of gotten to know the owner a bit and she had seen some of my work and she asked me if I wanted to teach. And at first I said, absolutely not, because I had two little kids and I didn't think I had the time. And I also had never taught knitting before. So I would, thought this was way beyond me. And then I went home and I thought about it and I'm like, you know, I think I can do it. So then, uh, I started teaching and I did that for a couple of years and what happened was I'm very much somebody who likes to connect with people i like to have like a community of knitters or friends that i you know can, to inspire me as far as like my craft goes and um because i was only in the classroom for a couple hours a week i've kind of felt like i was missing something because i had these wonderful contacts and these wonderful people that i was meeting and that were inspiring me every week but i had such a limited interactions with them because of my obligations to my family and my obligations to the job and all those different things. So that's when I started to build my blog was kind of to extend myself and to build myself a community that I could access anytime that I wanted instead of just the two hours or the three hours I was in the classroom each week. So from building the blog, then once I could no longer, I had to leave teaching because my husband went through a job change and my parents had some health issues that I had to help them out with, and then um, my blog kind of became more central to my to the community building that I had wanted, and I started to have more time and more um, motivation to do more with it. So that's kind of where first I started with the Mary Knit Along, um, and then this past year with Socks of Sarah, and it's kind of been slow and persistent community building and the interactive community building for those last couple of years
0: yeah because i remember in the beginning of of socks with sarah and one of your kind of central kind of facets to it really was not necessarily to knock out hundreds of pairs of socks but to make knitting and sock knitting a part of your daily life and to fit that in around yeah, and, your other commitments
1: yeah and i think that that's what um What I always try to focus on with the community that I want to cultivate, like that's associated with my blog is just I want people to be able to be included no matter how much time that they have, because, you know, most people that I know, most knitters that I know are working full time and have kids and don't have time to knock out like, like you said, like, A bazillion pairs of socks in a year. Like most people can't knit a pair of socks in a week because there just isn't the time. I'm lucky in that my life is pretty flexible and that I have more time like on and off to knit throughout the day than a lot of people. But I think it's always been paramount in how I set up my the community that I want to host, that it's inclusive. I want everything to be, I want anybody who wants to join to be able to. I don't want a lot of rules and regulations that exclude people i want everybody involved
0: yeah i find myself nodding nodding along like a little nod nodding dog here and agreeing with everything you're saying there because sometimes it can feel a little bit like a person on the outside looking in and that's never a feeling i've had with socks with sarah even halfway through the year where a lot of friendships and and um, kind of relationships have built and people know each other quite well it's never had that exclusive feel. It's always felt like somewhere you could kind of just walk in with your knitting and sit down.
1: And that's, I mean, I think that's the kind of person that I am. Uh, just I I would much rather include people in my life than cut them out. I think everybody, I learned stuff from everybody. When I was in the classroom, I learned from my students constantly. You know, when I sit down and I knit with friends, I learn things from them. And I think that's the kind of community that is really beneficial to everybody is when no matter if this is your first pair of sacks or your, you know, 200th pair of sacks, it doesn't matter. We all have something to learn from each other and we all benefit from being together.
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. Again, I'm, I was nodding away. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true. It's, <laughs> it, it is, it is. And, it, and I think that's probably why I wanted to talk to you so much an in interview and get your point of view, because I did really feel that that was something that I identified with and believe very strongly in as well so
1: and I think like as the industry or the industry itself it can there are times when you can be involved with groups or with you know I mean obviously when you're in an industry and you're trying to sell a product you want to inspire people to knit more and to get more of your stuff right I mean that's like how a business works but at the same time I think we can do that without overwhelming people. I think we can reach a whole lot of people if we make it so that you move at your pace. You set the rules for you and you can still be involved. And I think that's where we all get the best, you know, the best the biggest benefits.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so thinking about inspiring people then and involving people and, and encouraging everyone to come and take part in whatever kind of capacity they want to What is your favorite quote that you turn to for inspiration?
1: Well, of course, I've been thinking about this a lot (laughs) because I'm very much, I mean, if you read my blog, you know, I'm hung up on my words, right? I really like, I use a lot of words because I have always been a reader and a writer. So when I really boiled it down to what's like that one thing that always kind of, you know, is the spark that gets me going and keeps me going. It's from this very, I don't know if it's a cult classic, but it's the movie before sunrise. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but um, there's this fortune teller who, or a palm reader who reads somebody's palm. And as she's walking away, she says, don't forget you are stardust. And that one has always stuck with me because it reminds me to be very humble because I am just this tiny little piece of the universe. So, you know, it reminds me to, have a sense of humor, don't take myself too seriously because I am just this one little person in this whole big bad world. But I also remember that, you know, at my core, I come from something really spectacular and my roots are something really amazing. So, um, you know, we should never be afraid to live up
0: to that. No, that's really good. I like that. Again, I, I was nodding away again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously, I, I'm, I'm almost fangirling you know. <laughs> moving on before it gets embarrassing um no journey is ever um i know i know it's terrible um no journey is ever a smooth one and obviously running a business and building a community which is what you've done um has its ups and downs can you tell us about a time where you feel you might, that you've kind of failed or things didn't go to plan what happened and what did you learn as a result of it
1: Yeah. Well, obviously I have made a lot of, a lot of errors. I put my foot in my mouth a lot, which, you know, it happens. We all do it. But I guess one thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this was that, um, it takes me back to when I was teaching, when I was in the classroom and I was teaching the last installment of a sock knitting class and how to, um, graft the toe. And I had a few very veteran knitters in the class and, some more um, newbies sometimes people just take classes to go with friends and whatnot so you sometimes get a mix of skill levels and I had never anchored the first two stitches down before and because I was self-taught as far as grafting goes and the book I learned from uh, didn't anchor those first two stitches and I kind of had a friendly mutiny in my classroom where everybody's like, you have to do it. You have to do it. You're wrong. And, um, you know, it's one of those moments where I'm standing up in front of this group and I'm being told that I'm wrong and it's really intimidating. But what I took from it is that, you know, I didn't get really frustrated or flustered or defensive. You know, you can kind of take those mistakes that you make and just recognize that you're human. Everybody in that room is human. And that, you know, if you approach your mistakes with honesty, you don't try to, you know, pull the fleece over anybody's eyes. Just say, hey, I've never done this before like this. I'm really glad that you showed me this. And, you know, just have a sense of humor about it. You know, we all, we, sometimes we're going to screw up and it's okay.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I completely agree with the, if you think you might have done something a bit wrong or you don't 100% know, putting your hands up is, is the, the best option every time because people find it very hard to carry on going you're still doing this wrong if you just got you know what you're right actually can you show me your way Cause that looks quite interesting
1: <laughs> well and you know that's one of the things that I love about the community that you know I have online I love about I loved about teaching is that you know you can really set the tone and say you know you can correct me I want you to correct me I just put up last week I put up um a blog post about or maybe it was earlier this week I can't remember but about how I match my stripes on my socks when I have self-striping yarn and um the lady whose yarn string theory color works that I was using she re um posted it on Facebook and she automatically had two or three people come up and say I do it this way I do it differently and I think that's great you know I don't know everything you know I'm not I know a lot I'm a skilled knitter I've been knitting for long enough and I've done enough projects but I have a lot of confidence in my knitting but I have enough confidence that I don't mind being corrected and I don't mean mind being shown different ways of doing things and I think that's important.
0: Yeah and I think it's something that you find is a common um, trait amongst educators and that is why people tend to go into teaching is they don't think they have all the answers and actually part of the enjoyment of being a teacher and sharing your knowledge with people is actually the knowledge you get back from your students and the learners
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think that's like the whole vibe of the knitting Sarah, you know, community and like the socks of Sarah knit along and all that. It's like, it's very nice because I think between me and all the people involved, I think it's just a very positive, very nurturing environment for asking those kinds of questions and for correcting and sharing our different points of view.
0: So we've gone from your learning point there that you've shared with us, and can you tell us now about what the high point of your journey has been so far?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's not... I like to think of it more kind of like... um, I don't know, you know, teaching was really rewarding for me because I loved being hands on and I loved learning from people. I love teaching people. Um, when I started the Marry Knit Along and I had like a pretty warm response to it, that was very rewarding. And then when Socks for Sarah, I mean, when I launched that, I literally thought I'd have like a dozen people join. So when, you know, my hits went off the charts the day I announced it on my blog and I had loads of people you know asking to join it was really amazing to me that I could come from this small town knitting teacher to all of a sudden having this like global you know group of people who want to do this with me it's just it's really humbling and really amazing for me so that's definitely been a high point but overall I have to say that um, just my daily interactions with comments on the blog and on the you know, Friends of Knitting Sarah Ravelry group that is far and away. I mean, it's as, as exciting as like, you know, the Socks of Sarah, Sarah Knit Along and the Mary Knit Along and all those things kind of blowing up has been the daily interactions are definitely my constant high point.
0: Oh, brilliant. So what would you say then has been the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Well, and this was another one I had to think about a long time, (laughs) but um, I think I have to give credit to my husband because he is a very big picture thinker. He is always planning for six months down the road and, you know, a year down the road and 10 years down the road. And I'm very much a uh, day-to-day emotion-to-emotion kind of person. And there have been times where it's kind of, I lose sight of the big picture and he always just kind of says, you know, stay the path you know be true to who you are you know and your voice you know who you are and he says you know don't worry about what everybody else is doing what everybody else is saying you just be you and I think it's that authenticity is what has given me whatever measure of success I've had is
0: I, I, I totally agree with him as well again he got a really big nod, <laughs> <A> really big <laughs> nod no size from the past no no they're they're, they're fully on board um it's true it is because um, like you say it's these daily interactions that you have with people if you're not your authentic self and you're not being true to who you are you won't have the stamina to run two year-long knit alongs back to back and you won't be able to keep that up in every single interaction that you have with people
1: Mm -hmm. and i think it's very you know i think it's very clear
0: to a reader
1: when you have somebody who's like really speaking from the heart and when somebody who is kind of a little bit more filtered. And I think that when you get me, you get me, you get me unfiltered exactly as I am because that is what I know how to do. And that is who I know how to be. And that's what you're guaranteed to get, no matter how you catch me. (laughs) It's not always pretty, but it is always a hundred percent (laughs) honest.
0: That is the main thing, definitely. (laughs) So, we'll start going on to the more fun and less serious questions, although this one could be either, depending on how you look at things. Um, Which one thing that you know now did you wish you had known when you picked up that first ball of yarn?
1: Um, I have to say, um, don't join a ball of yarn, um on the front of your sweater, right in the middle of a row. (laughs) I learned to knit on a sweater and it's like, it was a cardigan and you did the back first and then the two fronts and sweeves and you sewed all together. And I joined one ball of yarn right on the left shoulder, like just where it's front and center visible. And I did a really not great job of it. Like it's not invisible at all. And every time I look at it, that's the one thing where I look at that sweater and I'm like, this thing would look so good for a beginner. I mean, it looks good for a beginner, but it would look so amazing if I had not done that. <laughs> so when you think you can you know, skimp by on those little details like joining a ball of yarn, just know that you really can't. You need to just take the time to do it right.
0: <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Brilliant. So the random question, this is one of my favorite questions ever. Um, (laughs) Everybody knows that knitters love cake. If you were a cake, which would you be and why? Well, I had no
1: idea how to answer this at all. I know what kind of cake I like, but I don't know that they're really necessarily what cake I would be if I was cake. So I took a really, I'm sure, scientific BuzzFeed quiz for what type of cake I would be, because I didn't really know how else to narrow it down. I figured, you know, I'll go to like the, you know, high tech scientific Facebook quiz. So what they told me is that I am a cupcake, because I am quote, dangerously addictive, yet have a welcoming exterior. (laughs) So I'm going to go with that, because I think that's better than any answer I could come up with.
0: (laughs) Hey, I like it. I like your attitude to uh, coming up with an answer to to a question. And clearly, Facebook it, it is the future when it comes to things like that. It is you know, no lab
1: is going to have better results than a Facebook quiz. So
0: it is quite a risky strategy, though, because anything could have come out in that. You'd no idea what kind of cakes were available.
1: I no, know, I know, but you know, I just you know. In our house, we we go big or we go home, and you know, we commit. So when I found that quiz, I'm like, "This is the way I'm going."
0: <laughs> I love it; it's brilliant. <laughs> All right, so um, you might have answered this with Facebook. Um, what's your favorite uh, or go-to resource for yarn craft, um, or kind of business and building a community and and blogging that you couldn't do without?
1: Um. I have to say I would definitely go with Ravelry because I think if you're a knitter or a spinner, especially a knitter, a crocheter, but especially a knitter that you're just not going to have the opportunity to build community quite like you will on Ravelry because your audience is all right there. Um, I use all sorts of different things. You know, it's, you know, my blog talks to my Facebook and my Facebook talks to my Twitter. And obviously like Instagram is a really good one now too. That seems to be growing like, gangbusters but in the roots are really Ravelry I go to that for my own references for finding patterns I look up yarns on it I'm on it every single day and as far as building a community I mean having those groups that you can join and talk with and ask questions and all that stuff it's really just a great overall platform for anybody in the craft I think
0: yeah Ravelry is a very popular answer to this question it is I mean it's You know, I really, I say every time, I really don't, I wonder if they knew what it would turn into when they started it. I would
1: guess not because, I mean, I think when, kind of like, I mean, with you starting the Golden Chain, I know you probably feel the same way as I do starting my blog. It's like you kind of take that leap and hope that it grows into something that you have in your mind's eye. But it's like you never quite know where it's going to take you. (laughs) There's always different bends and different, things around each corner that you can't quite anticipate
0: yeah definitely well that's part of the excitement of it i think of, of forging out and doing something like that and just seeing what happens absolutely absolutely right i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna cut i don't think i'm gonna catch you out but i'm gonna throw you a curveball okay desert island discs or rather desert island skeins if you were <laughs> going to be marooned <laughs> oh on a desert island uh-huh. and you could only take one skein of yarn from you, with you, which dyer would you take it from?
1: Well, it'd have to be something I could knit and re-knit, right? So I have to think about what would withstand re-knitting really well and what would hold its color really well. So I would have to say that I would actually go with Um, my favorite, I talk about her a lot, is Cloud Lover Yarn and Fiber. She she does, um, fiber, so I do a lot of my spinning from her fiber, but also, um, she does some really nice sock yarn, and what I really like about it is it's a really good base. You can, I, it has, it definitely holds up really well, and her dyes and her colors really hold up their, they keep their color very well, so... I
0: think I would go with her. <laughs> oh, a good choice. I think I would go with, not that I'm asking me any questions, but I would go with the with, uh, Regia, the German sock yarn. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's Guaranteed for 10 years. It'll last forever. I reckon it'll last longer than acrylic. Oh, yeah. So I would go with them, which is which is a bit bad for someone who runs a hand-dyed yarn. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's but that is, <laughs> that is a good
1: point, because that is a really, it's a workhorse. It really is. It's kind of like a... um. Like uh, if you've ever used Cascade 220 for worsted, just general sweater work like that one, it just, it'll live forever. It just kind of keeps going and going. And it's a, it's a good like value yarn too. That just, it's a workhorse and much like Regia, Yeah. It's all good.
0: So I think we will wrap up the question part with asking you whether you have any parting words of advice for those, um, People out there who are either looking to kind of forge out an industry within knitting, or maybe build a community around something within the knitting industry they're very interested in. And afterwards, you can tell us where the listeners can find you, and then then we'll say farewell.
1: Okay. Um, I guess my advice that if I had to give advice to somebody trying to do something like what I'm doing is to remember that. Um, you know how they always say no man is an island? I think that no knitter is an island. And I think where I have been, where I have made the best of connections in the industry, where I have been, um, where I have gained the most strength and um, just the most, where I've made the best connections is when, it's um, to remember that to give credit where credit is due. I think that we are, it A lot of people, I think you, there's such a push to be a unique individual and to set yourself apart. But I think sometimes what we miss is that you actually build yourself up when you're building other people up. And I think that is one of those, it's really a cornerstone of what I do is that it's not about, I mean, if I knit a pair of socks, I am always going to be pointing my finger at the person who dyed that yarn, because they're the one that's making me look good. My knitting is great, but without this yarn, it doesn't—it doesn't look the same. So I think pointing to the people who are inspiring you, the other writers who inspire you, the designers who are designing that you're knitting, designing the designs that you're knitting, and the people who are dying the beautiful yarns that we're using—I think making all of those connections and giving all of those people credit is really, it builds up your name as much as it builds up theirs. So I think you can really build your business on helping other people grow too.
0: Sarah, because we got a little bit distracted talking about everything, life, the universe and everything, can you please um, let the listeners know where we can find you?
1: Yes. Um, my blog is at com, and um, I'm also knitting Sarah on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and if you want to find me on Ravelry I am the Knitting Sarah all one word because I didn't get super creative there and uh, I do host the Friends of Knitting Sarah group on Ravelry which everyone is welcome to join.
0: Obviously you've done the Mary Knit Along which lasted for a year Uh then you did Socks with Sarah which lasted for a year it's due to finish kind of any day now what's Uh your plan for next year?
1: Um, Well this next year I kind of I kind of get the impression, or I got the impression from readers, that the whole year-long knit-along was, you know, after two years, I didn't want to put any any pressure on any of my readers to do another year-long knit-along, because it's really a big commitment, even if it's a few stitches a day like Socks of Sarah was. So uh, what I'm going to work on this year is I'm doing a project that... Um, it's a very, very simple where, and I've been doing it for years, but I kind of opened it up to everybody where it's just to take a snapshot of your work every day. So I have a hashtag that's just the hashtag today on my needles. And I'm encouraging everybody just to whatever you're working on during the day, just to take a snapshot and post it up either on Instagram or I have a thread in my um, friends of knitting, star Ravelry group where you can share those pictures. Um, and if you're a spinner, you can do um, today, on my wheel, or today on my spindle. And it's just a way to kind of um, build the story of a project, because the best comments I get when I write about my work and about my knitting projects is when I kind of share a timeline of how a project evolves. And I think that it's really rewarding if you do this, where you're taking a picture every day, it kind of helps to motivate you to stay on your projects. But it also is a really neat thing to be able to go and look back at your work and see where you came from and what what kind of transpired throughout it and I think I will focus personally on telling those stories on my blog however everybody else wants to do it is up to them whether it's just the picture excuse me or um, if they want to start telling stories too I think that's great because who doesn't like to hear the story of how a project came to be right.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And it is something really accessible and yeah, it, it is a year long thing, but how easy is it to quickly take a picture and put it on Instagram? You're probably gonna be doing it anyway.
1: Yep, and I I
0: mean I have been
1: doing usually I will take a picture on Instagram and then I share it on my on my blog, not as like a main story, but kind of back in the little stories. <laughs> like there's a main kind of um roll of stories that goes in the headline area of my blog. And then down below you'll find all the today on my needles and today on my wheel links because I, and I have had the category in my blog for years, ever since it started like four or five years ago, I've had this thing going. I just haven't been quite as dedicated. So what I like about it is it's a very quick way to add something to my blog. So people have something new daily. It's also something really easy to do on Instagram. That's just, it gets you out there every day so it helps you to make those connections but it also is really beneficial to you to motivate you to get you to keep working and also so that you can see like I said where you came from and how your projects evolved so it does a lot of really good things and it's very simple it only takes a couple minutes
0: so yeah well I think I better let you go and get back to long division it's very important life skill
1: (laughs) Yes well you know I keep telling my son because we're doing proportions alongside it and I use proportions all the time with knitting so I'm like we have to do this it's fundamental in in my head I'm like if you want to be a knitter but then I'm like if you want to be a scientist I mean
0: (laughs) you have to do this. Lovely well thank you very much for um, your time because I know you are very busy I'm very conscious of that.
1: Yep and thank you so much I really enjoyed this.
0: Ah, oh, cool and hopefully we'll chat again soon i really did honestly find myself nodding along massively in agreeing with a lot of stuff you said and if there is an opportunity for us to have wine and put the world to rights, i think we absolutely should take it
1: absolutely i agree i agree someday i'm gonna make it back across the pond
0: <laughs> so i'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week There may have been a couple of chops and changes there because unfortunately, well it wasn't unfortunate, it was very good fun chatting to Sarah for about an hour but unfortunately not all of the things um, I could include or indeed were suitable for including for public ears. So um, if it is a little bit choppy and changing, particularly towards the end, then um, I do apologise for that. But I very much enjoyed talking to her and I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to her interview as well. So, all that remains for me is to say have a great week, happy crafting and speak to you all again soon. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Shiny Bees Podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found on the blog at www.shinybees.com I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Twitter, Instagram... Pinterest and Facebook, so feel free to give me a shout. Or you can email me at shinybeesinfo gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided courtesy of Music Alley and is by Adam and the Waltz Boys. It's I Need a Drink.
1: I need a friend.